Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of. One that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girlbomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining. Keep being you and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. This is Intimate Knowledge with Brooke Burke, Megan King, and sex and intimacy coach Leela DeVille. Shh. It's a show about sex. Good afternoon, ladies. Hi, girl. It's so nice. To see your beautiful faces again. Well, thank God for Zoom. At least we have a visual here while we're still in different parts of the world. I miss you, girls. Good to see you. I miss you too. I'm this close to coming to flying out to LA, Brooke, and coming to hang out with you. Good. I would love that. I need a little real time. I need a real connection. Yes, come. Good. (laughs) I'm still in Bali, guys. Still in Bali over here. Making everybody jelly on a permanent vacay. <laughs> I know it sounds it sounds good to us to the for those of us that aren't traveling that much. How's life these days? Life is pretty beautiful. Lots of beach time. Kids are in school, which is amazing. We've put together a little pod. I actually had envy because I know your kids were taking some time off and more buried in the digital classroom here, like trying to create spaces at home yeah. and boundaries and privacy for the kids. And I thought you were taking a, a little bit of a break, but now they're back in school. Yeah, we got them into, like, we kind of came together with a few of the other families that are around and um, put together a little pod of um, homeschooling kind of thing. And it's great. They're so happy and I have more space. So I'm not like all kid kidified during the day. It's wonderful. A bit more, yeah. That sounds like your ideal situation, even in the States, Leela. I know. But don't you feel like this time, this time has been incredibly clarified? like we're not as busy anymore and we're kind of able to um there's just that that freedom to like to create I guess within within the constraints of what we're experiencing so it's um yeah like truly finding what's important to us where our values lie it's been exactly but not not to take away from how much we are all managing like this this shift and change that we're all navigating is so much and I know that we're all so much it can be really really stressful so there's that as well can you believe we're eight months into this i mean approaching the fourth quarter like what do the holidays look like i feel like the pace has changed we've become more conscious you know we've created this new sense of norm 
Um, and then sometimes I'm in disbelief thinking in our lifetime, in our parents' lifetime, did we ever think um, that would we, we would be standing on marked X's on the floor wearing masks, safe distancing, ordering. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's still very, it's still unbelievable. My daughter said to me the other day, mommy, when I'm big like you, I'm going to wear a big mask just like you. And I'm like, no, you're not going to wear a mask when you're grown up. But this is, she's only, she's not even four. So it's just her life. That's all she knows. And my, one of my um, twins, like probably one of the first 20 words he ever learned was the word mask. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's just the fashion That's now just, too. It's just fashion. You know, I, I see fashion bloggers <laughs> and stuff coordinating and with chains and, you know, it's a, it's a whole look. It's a Somebody whole just sent me one on a long gold chain with a crystal to it. And it's kind of nice because you can't leave the house without your mask now, but sometimes you arrive somewhere and you've forgotten it and you just can't go in. You can't get gas. You can't get food. So now I literally wear it around my neck. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. <laughs> it's like the new reading glasses. Yeah. And it's going to define the time. Like you're going to look back on photos and, and content and it's going to be defined by the mask wearing. You're going to know when that was. It's, it's crazy. Crazy time. I hope so because that would mean that it ends at some point. It's so I hope you're right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, here we are October already breast cancer awareness month. We get to talk of boobies today. Talking the boobs. Babes and boobs. Let's get right into it. This is crazy. So let me tell you, tell you what happened. Okay. So we're here, we're recording this podcast and um, I have my three kids at home. They're loud. They're two, two, and three. And so I called up my girlfriend who I've been friends with since we were 14 years old. And um, she lives right down the street from me. And I asked her if I could go over to her house and, um, and record. So here I am sitting here and I get out all my paperwork and I'm looking at it and she's standing right in front of me. And I said, Oh my gosh, how did I not make this connection? We're talking about boobs today. And my friend Kim who's sitting here right next to me, she is a breast cancer survivor three, three years, right? Mm -hmm. She's, she's, uh, beat, she beat breast cancer three years ago, 35 years old, just turned 35 two kids and it's exactly what we're talking about today it's just I feel like this is one of those God kind of moments where um you know it just kind of everything fell into place like it happens for a reason so so Kim that's can amazing share her experience with us well, I'd love to hear your perspective, Kim, because we can only imagine, you know, and this is the month where we broaden awareness and, you know, try to support a variety of different organizations. But can you give us a little bit of perspective on what your experience was like? And yeah, I mean, sure. it, like how you found out you had yeah. cancer. So I was 32 years old, um, not record breaking for the doctor who um, treated me, my oncologist, I think his youngest here in um, St. Louis was 28, but pretty close. Um, 32 is young. 32. So at the time, my daughter had just turned two years old and my son was five. And so I was like in the thick of motherhood, like really like potty training, schedules, all of that. My son was going into kindergarten that fall. And so it was um, July, July of 2017. And I was having um, some discharge. And I'd had discharge. I uh, nursed both of my children. So breastfed, I went and saw my OB the year prior. And he told me that it's probably just your milk drying up. Like you can leak for a while, like, like just check on it, just keep an eye on it. Well, it turned from 
a normal milky, you know, color to blood. How long did that, how, how long? It was over a year. Oh. Like in the span of a year, it just slowly. Okay. Wow. And it was only when it was expressed. So it was expressed like when you're sleeping and you're pushed up against, you oh, know, something, yeah. or when you're in the shower, the warm water, um, you know, expresses that. Yeah. Um, but you weren't nursing. Wasn't nursing. Okay. No. And so, um, I went back and saw my OB a year later and I said, you know, it's still here. And you said, I could take it up to two years when my daughter's two years old now, and it's still coming out and now it's a different color. And I'll never forget. He looked at me and he said, okay, well, let's go ahead and make appointment with another doctor, a breast specialist. And it just went from there. And did you do a mammogram? Is that how they found it? So they tested the actual, um, discharge that was coming out uh -huh. and then they did a biopsy and that's how they uh -huh. found out. And so, so a my, cyst or a tumor was causing the bleeding? And it wasn't, it was actually um, in my duct. Ah. So it's called, what I had was DCIS, it's ductal, carmino, uh, ductal carcinoma in side two. And that, um, that's very, it's rare. Um, they say it has nothing to do with breastfeeding, has nothing to do with yeah. nursing. Um, after all the testing was done, I did the genetic testing, um, estrogen receptor, uh, progesterone, nothing came back positive. Um, I did the BRCA test. So it wasn't genetic. Mm. Nobody in my family has had breast cancer. So it was just a huge shock. Yeah. Um, but what was hardest for me was being so isolated because I'll never forget when I went into my first appointment and they take everybody back into the room. There were probably 20 women, 20, 25 women. And all of them were over 60. Wow. And everyone sitting there in the room was being diagnosed with breast cancer. That's crazy. Wow. And so I was there by myself and I remember feeling so alone, so isolated, so scared, so uncertain. Mm -hmm. um, and no, so it wasn't a lump. Like I didn't feel anything. And wow. it, um, the, biopsy and the MRI and all of my scans came back and they found that it was invasive and it went to my, to my, um, lymph nodes. So instead of pushing it off for a few months when it's in the duct, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't spread. So I thought I was, that was the best kind of breast cancer to have. But mm. when I found out it was invasive, they said it was a Friday and I'll never forget. I got the phone call and he said, we're going to schedule your surgery for next Thursday. And that, that was the day my son started kindergarten. Oh, oh my gosh. So I couldn't be there for his first day of school. And you it in was, surgery? I was in surgery. So that you went morning. straight into surgery. Wow. Mm -hmm. wow. And um, a double mastectomy later, and I had tissue expanders put in uh, saline injections weekly to expand those, um, was a very painful process. And then after that, and I um, had to do therapy. Um, oral therapy, I did not have to have chemo, which was great because there wasn't a lump. To have what to is strain. oral therapy? A medication you take. But it's not chemo? No. Oh. Well, it's a form of chemo, but okay. it's not actually going with, through with chemo. Um, and with that, and with um, the reconstructive surgery, I've been in remission for three years now. Wow. Wow. That's such a phenomenal story. Isn't that unbelievable? unbelievable? Do you know any other women who have who've um, like during this, this process, um, the, the cancer process, did you ever meet any other women that were around your age? Mm -hmm. Have you since? Um, I, I reached out to a group of moms that I know they're nurses mm -hmm. and they connected me to a group, um, that are young, younger mothers with children, just because I felt like 
I was so alone and I was so isolated and I didn't mm-hmm. have anyone stage of life going through it. And I had so many friends of mine and, you know, cause we were just turning 30. Mm-hmm. So like I had so many friends of mine saying, Oh, my mother is going through this mm-hmm. right now. My mother just got diagnosed. Or I remember my grandma was just diagnosed, you know, was five years ago was diagnosed. And to me, it was almost like a slap in the face. Cause I'm like, but that's not the same, mm-hmm. you know, it's really very, felt so far away to not have women in your circle to guide you. I mean, that support system has to be essential. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I can imagine how alone you must have felt. When I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, one of my best friends had just went through it and had it not been for her guiding me, um, educating me, introducing me to the right people and you know the medical team. It, w- it was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. I was talking to um, a woman that I work very close with and she had a bilateral mastectomy and she shared some of you know her emotional insight as well, but she she was talking to me about um, an organization called Healing Odyssey, which is an incredible support system for women, having gone through that, and it's like weekend retreats for women. And I I just you know can't stress enough the importance of like finding your That's circle cool. of support yeah. going through a time like that. It's called Healing Odyssey. You can actually even look them up on YouTube. Um, Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I'd asked her just emotionally what, what she went through as a woman and, and what the relationship, in her opinion, was between the feminine sensual energy and the breasts, you know, something that maybe we all take for granted if we haven't gone through something like what you did. And she said having the bilateral, bilateral mastectomy was like being an amputee that you've like removed a part of your body. And even with reconstruction, she said she had no feeling. She said her chest Mm. gets cold. She doesn't feel any touch. And she felt really disconnected um, to being a woman. And there was also a bright side of it. She, she, She said that she was in awe though, that her body was able to survive. And that appreciation is what kept her alive. And I just, I mean, the three of us can hardly even have this conversation with you because we, we don't know what it's like. Yeah. Well, tell us, what has it been like for you and your relationship to your breasts? And what about an in intimacy and in relationship with your partner? And So I, I did want to touch on that a little bit. Um, so with my um, breast cancer, with it being in the duct, they actually had to take uh, my nipples too. So they took everything. Is that usual? If you have a tumor, they can usually take it. It depends on where it's located, but okay. obviously your duct is, it's all located, right? To come out of your okay. nipple, all okay. of that. So they had to, I mean, there was no way they can't, they couldn't, you know, cut a part out without taking everything and to be safe. It's just, it's easier just to do it. And, you know, it's safer to do and it that safer, way. And safer, um, right? I mean, that, that conversation that you have with yourself between vanity and what's medically more aggressive to save your life. I mean, I... I yeah. I mean, it wasn't even offered to me like a choice. So when your doctor, your mm-hmm. oncologist is telling you like, this is what we're mm-hmm. going to do. It's like, you do it. all right. But then like you said, it, it is, it's like, and you're like an amputee, like you don't have that body part anymore because no matter what, it's never going to look the same. And, um, it's three years from the time I had my surgery, um, October of 2017. And, mm-hmm. um, I still don't feel comfortable, you know, with myself and looking in the mirror and, it's been very hard for me with my, with my husband, we've been together for 14 years and I don't like him looking <laughs> at me. You still don't. I mean, I'm just, you know, you don't feel women, like you don't feel like a woman. How's like, he handling it? Yes. Yeah, so wonderful. He, um, really has been like the rock behind all of this. And, um, yeah, he is, he's never like questioned or, 
you know, push me in one direction or the other has just been completely 110% supportive. So um, just the, the intimate part of it, it took, it t- I mean, it took a while. It took time. Do you think it'll like, you're still on a journey or do you think you're like, as far as you will go, you know, you've come as far as you're going to go. So I've had people um, ask, and especially when I go to my appointments, it never fails. I'll have an assistant or a nurse ask me, oh, you don't have your, um, you didn't get the nipple tattoos. Are you planning on doing that? Well, you know, my mom had this, had a double mm-hmm. and she doesn't have the nipple tattoos either. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I don't need them. Like, it's just an extra thing. They, they could take a skin graft and make it so they're 3D. Mm-hmm. And my doctor told me that like 90% of the time they flatten out anyways. So you go through that whole process and it was already so painful for me, invasive and everything, you know, being put under that many times. I just was done with needles and being touched and of poked course. and prodded. And um, yeah. three years later, and I still haven't changed my mind. I don't need them. I don't want it. And yeah. um, I, I love my body for what it is. My husband does, you know, and it's, it's a private part. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's your own to decide, I feel like. And to each their own, if there's women out there who mm-hmm. have done it and mm-hmm. said it was a necessity for them to feel like themselves and feel, you know, sexy and intimate and comfortable in their skin, all, I'm all for it. So, so. Wow, wow. wow, good for you for being able to find that yeah. body confidence, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah, and choosing for choosing what it works for you rather than going along with trying to adhere to this idea of what breast should be. You know, it's like, there's so many different shapes, sizes, combinations. It, it's like good on you for choosing and sticking to your guns with not adhering to that. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, the language that we use in the house, because my daughter sees me all the time. She was two when I was diagnosed. So she doesn't know any different and she mm-hmm. has never asked. And I'm waiting to have that conversation with mm. her as a mother. Like, why do yours look different than mine? Mm. And um she refers to them as my boo-boos because when she was two and toddlers throw fists, they throw tantrums and they throw their heads back. And I remember she did it one time when I had her on my lap and it hurt so mm. bad. And I said, you have to be careful for of mommy's boo-boos. Mm. And to this day, when she sees me, if I'm changing, I'm in the shower and she walks in, she's like, oh, those are your boo-boos. So oh. she doesn't even know that she's five so now and she doesn't even call them boobies or breasts or, or anything else. Mm. They're just mommy's boo-boos. Wow. That's, that's like pretty deep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, if it ever changes. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. If she asks, you know? Yeah. For you now, is, is there a, is there a protocol or a breast care regime or anything like that, that you, you know? So they've removed like 98% of my tissue. So mm-hmm. the chance of it coming back is very slim. Um, yeah. But you do, you can do a, a exam at home. But um, yeah. I'm on a one-year follow-up for the next ten years. So, mm-hmm. so do you do, how do you? What do you do? Do you do a mammogram or an ultrasound? When I go in, they CT? do a CT. They do a scan. Mm-hmm. What kind of CT scan? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So that's like sees everything. Because I would think it'd be hard to mm-hmm. look for a lump when you have mainly in Ma- mammogram is not. Yeah, there's no way. Because like I said, ninety. Because you're looking for two percent of my tissue is yeah. gone. So a mammogram yeah. would just be super painful and unnecessary, really. Yeah. And what about the scar tissue? Um, well, my, where my drains were on the side underneath, there's a little bit of, um, like a puckering, um, that hasn't gone Mm -hmm. away. And I actually just had my three year follow-up last month. And, um, she said that it's always going to be that way. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. because I had 
um, a lot of my from the one side taken mm. out, there is a little bit of um, like swelling, mm-hmm. just water retention, I guess, but it's, mm. it's never going to go away. It's just kind of like a tissue buildup, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you could have surgery to, to fix that, but that's, mm. you know, yeah. and now, do, do you yeah. know why you got breast cancer? No. Any, any thoughts, ideas? No. So I did the genetic test, uh, um, her too. I did the, um, different receptors. Everything came back. Her too is the, um, the estrogen, um, hormone. Okay. So they look for that particular hormone in your body. Yes. Yes. I think they check for two, two or three, if I remember correctly, but all, everything that you could to try to find it and locate it and take it back. It, everything came negative. Any family history? No family history. And my question was about the nursing, because I wanted to at least have a voice and say, if there's women out there that have, you know, nursed and they were breastfeeding, mm-hmm. if they experienced this to at least, you know, know someone or have a story out there, but they said it had nothing to do with breastfeeding. So it's mm-hmm. really, my doctor said it was environmental. Yeah. It, it could, it could happen to anyone. Yeah. We're, we're all exposed to a level of toxicity that I think is really difficult to process. And, you know, that's environmental where we're exposing to us ourselves to chemically and, um, you know, medicines and all of those kinds of things and I think that's yeah we we all need to be aware of our toxicity mm-hmm. load in that in that way yeah I wanted to just suggest as well I've been in contact with some women who who do um, scar tissue kind of remediation and through breast massage and using castor oil and heat packs and massage and they've having a phenomenal results with scar tissue like from cesareans but also in breasts as well so I wanted to just offer that up as a oh that's wonderful yeah and so like the hardness or the the puckering and and softening Mm -hmm. all of that is um you can you can use castor oil and like heat packs um to to soften it over time and to massage it out so maybe that is something you might want to look into and that's wonderful um, it's actually something I suggest to to a lot of women actually who feel kind of closed off or who have had um who have had um just closure here like over their chest you know and to 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 give that area attention because I think it's an area that like for myself like there was a time where I didn't really even give my breast attention unless it was in a sexual act or maybe I was getting changed or showering but other than that, my breasts were kind of like not touched at all. Like you have body work and you, your breasts aren't touched. Um, you, they may get fondled into the sexual act, but they're not a place that we really integrate with our whole body. And so breast massage is a really beautiful way to, to be able to do that for your whole system, to, to integrate and sync it up with the flow of all the other systems in our body. And don't you think there's a shift that we go through as women as our body changes? I mean, certainly not to this extreme, but, you know, I had a breast reconstruction as well, and it did change the way I feel about my body and body confidence in that area. And I went through periods of time where I didn't want to take my bra off either, and I was uncomfortable and being in a new relationship. You know, it took time to develop that trust. I think that support that you get from your partner is so important. But I do think we have to, like, lean into those changes and find ways to surrender to that and honor the changes in our body and um, find a deep compassionate acceptance you know which is easier said than done and you know like you said it takes it takes time tremendous time and work you have to go a little bit deeper right than the way that we consider our body parts if you will you know 
What, what do you think about, um, what, what do we say to women to really stress the importance of, you know, getting that yearly checkup, the mammograms, especially during a time right now during COVID where people are cautious and they're avoiding um, a lot of necessary medical appointments for a variety of reasons, um, especially with early diagnosis possibilities. You know, what, what do we say to those, those women to really stress the importance? So early detection is key and I'll keep this short. It's very simple. Knowledge is power. I knew nothing about this beforehand and many women out there will say, oh, that's this never going to happen to me. It's not going to affect me. I don't need to do this. But had I known this beforehand, I would have maybe taken these steps um, prior to my diagnosis. I mean, Google's our friend. Google self, mm-hmm. you know, exams at home. See how you can do it. Because if you're scared to go out because of COVID, I totally get it. I don't want to leave my house either, um, unless it's necessary. So I think that's huge. Going out or staying home. I mean, doing the the self exam, not putting yourself out there if you don't feel comfortable or safe. I think that's really important. Just find the find the um, you know information out there. Just knowledge. I think talking about it too, because when I a few months ago. Um, I had discharge, what I thought was abnormal discharge. And I was talking to Kimberly about it. I asked her her advice, what should I do? She said, just see somebody, get it ruled out. Lila recommended this fantastic doctor in Pasadena who skips over the mammogram, goes straight to the ultrasound, which is zero radiation. Um, and mm-hmm. an ultrasound is what doctors ultimately very do. Comprehensive. Very comprehensive. Very comprehensive, spent a ton mm-hmm. of time with me. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, continuing that dialogue too. Absolutely. So, thank you so much. This is this has been yeah. serendipitous, really. Kimberly, thanks for your vulnerability. We really, it's really important for women to hear from other women in your space. I think it, it really um, helps them not feel alone, and we really appreciate it. And you're right, what you no. said. You know, th- those those appointments and those exams are so important because breast cancer doesn't give a hoot about COVID. No, no. <laughs> I mean, and for anyone who's listening, there's women out there in their 20s and 30s, mm-hmm. all the way up to. 80s that are being diagnosed with this so it's there everyone has you know it's going through it and there's people there there's people out there to support you and I just I think early detection knowledge all of that is power it's key yeah thank you so much it's really powerful thank you for having me across America BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Steve Covino from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. 
So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Girls, I'm so excited because we have Leslie Lair, the author of A Boob's Life on. I can't wait to read this book. It's available right now for pre-sale. She's hilarious and she is obsessed with boobs. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear about your book. This is incredible, um, A Boob's Life. Um, please introduce yourself to everybody. I know you can do it way better than we can. So tell us who you are. My name is Leslie Lair, and I am a writer and um, a woman who has lived through every stage of boob life, like mm. most of you guys have. And uh, yeah, and I just one night I woke up and saw my nipples were cross-eyed, and I was so freaking mad about it. And I had just gotten through breast cancer and all my life experience, a big little blah, blah, blah. And um, my husband accused me of being obsessed. And I thought, I'm not obsessed. And then I realized, oh yeah, I think I'm obsessed. And it wasn't just me and I had to figure out why. So I just like made it my mission to not only figure out if I wanted to fix my boobs again, but I was a writer. I hadn't written anything since breast cancer with a chemo phase, but I had written all these books about being a woman at different stages of my life. And I realized that my boobs shaped every single experience of my life. Wow. And it's not being a woman in America. So I was just, I kind of became a detective and wrote um, this book. And I'm like thrilled about the cover. It's really cool. I mean, I'm intrigued just, just by looking at that cover. And when I was reading through the synopsis of A Boob's Life, I was thinking, oh my gosh, yes, same here. Same. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah, I'm like every woman, I kind of think because through, you know, when I was a teenager, I wanted bigger boobs. And then I, I mean, you know, uh, the whole, my whole life parallels it. And then you get pregnant and you finally get big boobs. And then after babies, and then you got flat boobs. And then your mom says you're deformed because she didn't breastfeed. And then you got married and then you get divorced and then you get a boob job. And then, you know, then you get married again and then you get breast cancer. So it's like, yeah, you guys, all everyone can relate to some part of it. We all have some boob issues. And I thought, why? Yeah. So this wow. book is kind of my experience together with all this research and anecdotes and even like commercials and advertising, all the stuff that has affected all of us that we don't even realize. Why do you think we've given so much power to the breast? I mean, you have a different perspective because of the challenges that you've went through. So, but why do you think that is? Uh, well, what, here's what most people don't realize. Scientists say that guys look at our boobs within 200 milliseconds of us entering a room. Come on. I mean, this Whoa. Is right. Yeah, and what we don't realize is that before any of us were even born in the 60s or well, right around when I was born, um, there was this weird perfect storm of 
events with Playboy coming out and Hugh Hefner like had some mommy issues and you know was like pissed at his fiance who cheated on him. So he has his first mainstream magazine that shows boobs, right? And at the same time, for the first time, everyone has TVs, advertising comes up and because men look at boobs within 200 milliseconds, everyone advertising said, oh, let's show women with boobs. At the same time, women like my mom were encouraged to use formula and not breastfeed. Mm. So women's boobs became for men and they became in magazines. And then plastic mm. surgeons seriously made a law or this guideline that said small breasts are a disease in order for to get financing for breast implants to be paid for. Seriously. It's like, you can't make this stuff up. By you insurance? By wow. yeah, yeah. So suddenly everyone gets that. It becomes a big deal that we have to be in Playboy to be beautiful. And then suddenly the movies, everybody has to be bare chested in the movies and we want to be in movies. So we'll do whatever it is. And we are beautiful and we're told we're beautiful. And then all the boobs have to look the same. It's like, you know, and then we're, you know, but if we show too much, we're bimbos. And so it's like this weird effect that people don't realize influences us even now because men were the one doing, doing all this stuff. And now we're like, you know, kind of bouncing around. That's why this is kind of a uniquely American thing. I mean, everybody likes breasts, it's biological instinct, but it's kind of been co-opted by our culture in particular in America. And we just need to be aware of it. So that's what I wanted to say. And I still, I mean, I have implants and I, I you know, I mean, I, I like having breasts, but it's still, I want everyone to like their breasts and, and be aware of the power that our breasts have exactly like you said, Megan. Yeah, I mean, and also knowing that we all have breasts, whether they're big or small, it's not that you, you have boobs or you don't have boobs. Everybody my 13 year old daughter is flat chested and she has this beautiful little body and her older sisters have very voluptuous like size D boobs. And I keep trying to tell her, you have boobs, baby. They may be big, they may be small, they're beautiful, however they are. And, you know, trying to have that, that, that conversation with her to help her develop body confidence. It's very interesting, the insecurity and the power that young women put on it. And I, I was giggling earlier because I was, I was listening to you talk. Leslie, my son just walked out of um, his digital classroom and here's this boob conversation. And I could see him blush and his eyes light up. And, you know, my reaction to that is we're just talking about boobs. Like, everybody has them. <laughs> like, just get over it. They're just boobs. <laughs> everybody has them. But, but humans are the only people who have have them all of our lives even after they can't feed our babies no other animals do that and i mean mm. you got to think that's like natural selection that guys like mated with women who had boobs longer and whatever but i mean my teenager mm. was the same way i have one who's very voluptuous and one who is is much more aerodynamic and she came to me and wanted I to love that up. yeah and i love that aerodynamic yeah beautiful i'm using that word for my daughter now <laughs> And what do we do when our kids are like, you know, influenced and, and when we've had boob jobs, how do we, and, and, you know, a lot of kids now, like in Orange County and stuff, the weird statistics are, are getting boob jobs for like their 16th birthdays. It's like the culture is. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I remember so I was one of those aerodynamic uh, preteens and teenagers <laughs> yeah. and I loved going to Target and looking at the training bras and just dreaming about the day yeah. where I would be able to and I'd fill those out and I would go into the dressing room and try them on and stretch them real tight because if you stretch it real tight then you make it flat just as flat as your test and I would say mom it fits it didn't yeah. fit but I yeah. really wanted it to I mean it really drove like everything that I thought about you know growing up and getting older being a woman it was it, I was focused on the boobies. And, and, and the fact that they're going to train our breasts. And guess when? Yeah, when they're training our yeah, breasts. Training. What are they training for? What are they? 
they didn't even have training bras until the 60s. It was like all this stuff yeah. happened at the same time. And now we're like, oh. Yeah. And Gotta isn't get- like just part of the problem is that we, the boobs that we do see are the ones that, um, you know, people feel comfortable showing, which is like the, you know, sizable, fleshy, round, even nipple mm-hmm. size, you know, we see all of that. And so when you're not that, you just, you can like very easily get, you know, self-conscious. And like, I grew up in Australia and it was really different in Australia where, you know, we were topless at the beach. I was topless at the beach until I was probably 20. Um, My mum was always topless at the beach. And so we always saw a wide variety of breasts. Mm. But I don't think that is the culture today. You don't get to see other women's breasts unless they're that type. And so if you're not that, then you're like, whoa, I just, you know, this can easily develop like that closure or that, um, you know, yeah no, that feeling of not being comfortable yeah so being self-conscious yeah. and not being proud and um it's such a great point so because you had an opportunity to see all different shapes and sizes where most of our children in our country are seeing perfectly retouched breasts in magazines exactly. or you know pushed breast up and pushed up breasts or, or in in mag in, in the movies so it gives them a really different perspective of how they think they're supposed to look you know um, which makes me think about bras as well. I mean, in being in Europe and Australia, were you wearing a bra as a young woman? Um, I'm notorious for not wearing bras. Which and feels so much better, better, by the way, to be free. It feels so much better. And I actually think it's better health-wise and uh, for the lymphatic system and a whole bunch of reasons. But, um, you know, I, I really like feeling not constricted. And so, um, yeah, bras bras for me I I didn't wear them you know it wasn't it wasn't a thing and even like now I even as a breastfeeding mom still didn't still didn't wear them and that brings attention in a different way which is sometimes not positive um yeah yeah. (laughs) growing up growing up where boobs were so you know not it seems to me now let me know if I'm putting words into your mouth boob breasts were not exalted or you know sexualized necessarily at least like maybe in the way that you grew up is that right yeah, I mean, it did change as I got older, you know, and then you weren't okay. allowed to be topless at the beach anymore, and you couldn't do that Whoa. on public beaches. Got taboo. So, you know, it got taboo, exactly. And then it's, now it's very much like America, where everybody's wearing a top. Well, do you think that changed the way that you would think about breasts versus the way you grew up versus the way, let's say, I grew up? which is totally, in America, you know, totally. you cover them up. Yeah, there's like a free, in what, there's like a, what ways? Just there's a freedom and an openness in my chest area, which I, like I, I would happily just bring down my top right now and I wouldn't have any kind of, um, you know, I wouldn't feel self-conscious at all. Like, and I'm happy with like the way that my breasts look and the size that they are. And, and you know, it's, they, I just love my breasts. Do you think you love them because they're beautiful or do you think you love them because you have body acceptance? I've, I've definitely gone on a journey like most people. There was times in my, my 20s I actually developed cysts and then I was really self-conscious about having, um, having my boobs touched and I could see the cysts a little bit and I can still see it. You know, so there's like there's some things, but I'm just in that. I'm just in acceptance. And so I don't have an issue with, with people seeing my breasts. It's not that I think that they're perfect and beautiful, but for me, they're mine. And so that's, yeah, it's. uh, it's Leslie, in, in your book, do you talk about the maybe like evolution of acceptance of your own, your own personal breasts and then, you know, women in general, the evolution of a woman's acceptance of their breasts in general. And tell me about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, this whole journey of exploration about it helped me accept my breasts a lot more. And yet it also brought me to this place of where I hope everyone can accept this breast. I mean, immediate, when I first started asking friends, I'd have people who said, oh, I don't care about breasts. And I thought, you know what? The world does, though, everyone around you. So it's something to be conscious of. And like being naked, we like there's this weird fine line between free the nipple and girls gone wild, right? And we have to just be conscious of our censorship and what we're doing. But for me, I, I feel way, way better about my breasts, but it also brought me into kind of a real more, um, almost a, a knowing more about being equal, how we're all equal, our bodies are, are all equal and of any color, race, shy, you know, size, shape. It really kind of brought me all the way into intersectional feminism right now of how we're all equal, but body image, I think breasts are such a part of women's identity and feeling good about them. And also feeling okay and like not judging other people. Like I don't want to anyone, to, for me to say, oh, she's a bimbo automatically is this like old reflex, you know? And I need to mark myself and we all should accept, everyone can do whatever they want to do because we all have to live in this culture. But yeah, for sure it, it helped me and I, I totally talk about yeah. you know, all the different things that go on. But there's a weird fact, and I don't think I've mentioned this before, and I don't even think I have in the book, but I have like different facts between chapters of stuff. Um, it's, it's almost about 300,000 women a year who get breast augmentation as an electric sur surgery. And it's about the same amount of number every year that gets breast cancer. Different women, but it's like a huge <laughs> amount of women who deal with this. And I think if we could all just relax, we'll all be a lot happier. Yeah. So that's mission. It's really understandable around the breasts and that urge to protect and defend our breasts and our chest. Like that, yeah. that comes really early on yeah. because of judgment, but also oh, yeah. because of unwanted attention. Yeah. Like that was mm. a big thing in my, my youth. I just didn't want to show my breasts because right. I, like, I didn't want to wear, like, I didn't want to have cleavage or push up bras or anything like that because I didn't want that attention. I didn't want right. that sexual attention. So, so there is this tendency to, protect and defend and I think that's why a lot of people are hunched over and have that shortening mm. in the front of their body where they hunch over because it's like a protection you know, right. mechanism we use them to attract men and then we hide them for jobs and then we use them yeah. for feeding and then we hide them to respectable and it's like it's yeah. I remember when I was I had this picture of me and my mom and my sister when I was three and we're all wearing these matching red bikinis tiny little strips and I remember how important it was to keep that red strip over my nipple and I cracked up because my little sister who was one couldn't do it. It's like, yeah. that's how early it starts with that self-consciousness about it. And, and it would be nice. It's the celebration and, and the downplay. I'm, I'm curious too about the connection between the breasts and, and sensual or sexual energy and like what happens when you become a mother and it becomes more of a mother nature, you know, it's we're feeding um, hormonally. We go to, through the, the shift in our reproduction years. I mean, can we talk a little bit about that and the changes, the evolution, I guess, of the breast and sexuality? Well, I think that right now there's this huge body image thing to make mom sexy, but you've seen it, those cartoons where there's a billboard of Victoria's Secret and then a woman getting chastised for breastfeeding, you know? It's like, I think- mm -mm. I haven't seen that. That sounds oh great. God. I want to yeah. see that. Because it's, it's so ridiculous and, and obviously breasts are very sexy, but there's not like even a medical specialty for breasts your whole life. So we're always 
put into this, you know, that old Madonna whore thing, which was also made up by Freud, who had his own issues about women and men. And it's like, we are always split into, if you're a mother and then you get to be romantic and sexy that way versus when you're not and you're sexy in this other way. And I think breath, mm. we're, you know, bar, we're on this continuum. They're the same breasts, but they go through this evolution. And so that's- that kind of, Does that kind of tie in the free the nipple campaign? Well, that's kind of about censorship. I mean, they, you know, on the news, they'll censor the nipples of, of like great artworks. But I feel like because of how culture is, if people, the women who are doing Free the Nipple, men still are looking at that versus women who are doing it, Girls Gone Wild, you know, who are doing it personally. It's like, ex are we being exploiting ourselves or are we empowering ourselves? And I think that we have to stop looking at it from, ooh, he's gonna see that because guys are gonna see that and like it anyway. So we have to just kind of understand that so that we are cool with whatever way it is. Cause there's, we can't change the biology, but if we can change the way we think about our own biology, then we can feel more sexy at every stage and not feel like, oh, maybe it's a little now, maybe it's a big now. Yeah. I, I also just wanna note that it's really normal not to feel like your sexual self when you're breastfeeding like there's a whole hormonal like cascade that happens yeah. after you give birth and then and then when you're breastfeeding and prolactin is going to outcompete sex hormones and the feelings of sexiness and and right um so what does prolactin do prolactin is is the hormone that that um assists with milk letdown and milk production so when you're producing milk and when you're breastfeeding prolactin spikes and so all the other sex hormone all the sex hormones like mm. um diminish and so it's really normal when you're breastfeeding that you're not going to feel um particularly like having that hot sex and that like biological sex it becomes a, right. a more of a desire mm. of having like a warmer experience or a tender experience rather than that dominated like power dynamic of domination right. and sex you know, and then right, and then after we're done, and our boobs are like you know, saggy, <laughs> yeah. you know, and my my nipples like look like Eeyore, you know, when he poos a little grave dog. And that's what my mom said I was deformed, and so I was like, oh, proud mom. Yeah, seriously. So I was proud to be flat because I had breastfed, and it's like that's my purpose in life. But you still want to be sexy, and you want to get those other hormones back, you know, and it's you want to be respected for it, and so we get really trapped by it. But I think you're right. There's a whole lot of different sexual feelings about our breasts whether we're showing them or feeding people with them. I mean, they're literally an organ that turns blood into milk. You know, it's going to back up like 2000 steps. When did breasts become a symbol of sex anyway? And why, why, like, why do we, why, why is it such a thing? Well, I think that it's always going to be a biological thing because men are attracted to things that can feed next generations. And that's why the 200 milliseconds thing, they're automatically going to look at us when we come into the room, they're going to judge people. And as, as you know, you know, the um, size doesn't matter when it comes to breastfeeding, mm -hmm. right? Not at all. But yeah. men kind of feel like that. It's like the hip to waist ratio that we like. Yeah. But what about so pure pleasure, say, though? I mean, what about us? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think guys are also fascinated by our breasts because of the pleasure that we ex sometimes experience when they're handled correctly. <laughs> I just yeah. want to point that out. You know, the nipples. Very yeah, well said, Leela. <laughs> The nipples and the breasts are like connected to the vagina by nerve pathways. And right. so when you stimulate the breasts, you actually cause a direct physiological response in the vagina. And there are MRI studies that have been done that 
found that stimulation of the nipples and the breast area um, activate the same part of the brain as when you have genital stimulation, which is the general sensory cortex, I think it's called. I agree yeah, with that. So, I think visually, yeah. phys physically, um, yeah, I think it's a big part of sexuality for sure. Yeah, and, so, and also I think for women in particular, like not even for women, but when you're like, you know, when you're first in love and you feel really heart open and you feel really receptive and open and tender and, and yummy, like that, that flows down into like into your sex, into, into right. your sex. Like it's like when you're, when you're feeling shut down or hurt or sore, like you don't open as well. You don't, you don't get as turned on. You may not be as receptive to sex, but the opposite is true when you're really open. And so I think that's like, that's an, you know, an energetic way of thinking about it. But like when we activate our heart center and when we feel love and tenderness, we get more turned on, you know? Absolutely. And there's this weird irony about when we get, um, you know, sometimes breast implants, if we don't do them to make us feel confident, there's a lot of statistics about if you do it during a marriage, the marriage is doomed. But if you do it for you, then it, I mean, it certainly helped me get confident at a time after my divorce when I needed it, even though I fought the bimbo thing. But, but just the thing to make you sexually attractive, then your nipples lose sensitivity. And I've just recently talked to a lot of breast cancer uh, reconstruction patients who said that there are now new things where they're replacing the nipple and saving those nerves to be sensitive because it is a bummer mm. to lose that sensitivity that can be soul stimulating sexually, you know, as you grow up, especially like, you know, getting wet and, and later you're old and it's yeah but and I think know, even if you don't have the nerves I think just as a center like if you think about like I talk about the chakras and and that kind of thing and all these different activations in our body and and like if you think about it as an energy center that remains whether you're a man a woman you have breasts you don't this is a, an energetic center and so you can open that and you can work with that center to allow for more sexual energy and more energy to flow yeah. through the body so, makes complete sense because it's right your heart i mean here's where it's all here so yeah yeah, yeah. and it's not woo woo like you know like when you're no. when we even speak about it like with we've got our heart broken your heart's not broken right it's just, you feel closure mm -hmm. in that area mm -hmm. so it's not you know we we all have a sense of this so it's not so woo woo when we talk about no. the heart center as an energy physical pain too yeah exactly it's yeah. all connected. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All yeah. the beautiful parts of being a woman in Mother Nature. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if only we could just simplify and accept ourselves more and embrace all the different stages of our bodies. Definitely. Well, that's my goal is to do that. Make us aware of how culture sees us, but be mm -hmm. happy in our skin. It, no matter what we want to do with our skin, it's ours. We just want to own it and be proud of it. So... I think there's something really to be said too about understanding when and why shame starts to play a part. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting listening to what you said, Leela, about growing up in Australia and being topless and experiencing that with your mother and my two younger children, their father's French, and so they've grown up around a lot of that as well and never even owned swimsuit tops when they were little. And now suddenly it's taboo and it's embarrassing mm. and, and in their words, even gross or, you know, disgusting. They start to use words like that. And I... Um, it's really interesting to me psychologically what they go through and when they start to develop that personal judgment on themselves and other women. Um, and it's a challenging subject to work through raising young women, you yeah. know? I have daughters and my sister has daughters and yeah, it's, it is. It's horrible. And I think that is a cultural thing that we need to just be aware of. Like you said, 
I mean, I think it's so important to, to understand why we think what we think, why we do what we do. And, um, you know, just talking about this and creating this open dialogue through your book has um, just allows us to explore, you know, the deeper meanings behind that. That's so important. And you're freaking hilarious, by the way, which oh, makes all facts and um, difficult or, you know, hard subjects so much easier to tackle when, when you're as hilarious as you are. I can't, I'm really excited to read your book because I feel like I'm going to see so much of myself in it. I already do. Thank you. You've been amazing to have on. Thank you so, Thank much. You okay, so much. Okay, tell us where to find you. Every, well, my website, lesslielaire.com and the book is available for pre-sale. It's everywhere now. Um, it comes out in a couple of months and it, it just, I'm, you know, I'm doing a whole lot for breast cancer month, obviously. And, um, but it's just really, it's just, I'm just so excited that this book, like was this, I, my nipples were cross-eyed. I was so pissed off. I had to do something about it. And now it's like, oh my God, it's a book. And it's like our whole life. So I'm just, I'm just like excited. I even have a bra like this. And we're talking about A Boob's Life, everyone. The name of the book is A Boob's Life. And it just goes to show you that through challenge, beautiful things are birthed, right? So thank you for sharing that with us. I also can't wait thank to read you. it. And I'm on all the socials, you know, Leslie Lair, Boob's Life. I'm just all about boobs right now. Lair is L-E-H-R, L-E-H-R. Yeah. And you guys have to check out this cover. It's a great cover. I, I love it. It's so good. Just like boobies. Yes. Yeah. Love you, boobs. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thanks, Leslie. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Steve Covino from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts 
as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Wow, don't you just love boobs? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I love it. It's just amazing yeah. how how we kind of just like generally I think a lot of us are disconnected from from our breasts, but it's just so amazing like hearing her story, Leslie's story, about how woven in her breasts were to her story and um that this yeah, it connects in it just plays such a vital role, this connection that we have with all of these different parts of our bodies and our health and well-being. And there's a real thing, like a real issue about pleasure and pain. I mean, when she talked about the similarity and the numbers between breast cancer and breast augmentation, I've never yeah, even yeah. thought about that before. And, um, yeah, you know, we're yeah. giggling about the fact that we love breasts, but I just want to say, like, I love all breasts. Like, I love to see a woman with tiny breasts and a wife beater with no bra. I find it to be impossibly sexy. I love to see a voluptuous, full-figured woman just owning it that's, like, soft and delicious. I love all shapes and sizes of all women. And I think it really boils down to a feeling and how you carry yourself, how you feel yeah, about yeah. your body. Um, yeah, I'm trying to teach that to my daughters, you know, at different sizes in their life. And my little one who has, what, what's the word? <laughs> what's the word, Megan? Aerodynamic. I find that to be so balletic and so beautiful because it's everything that I wasn't, you know, and we sometimes want what we can't have. We embrace other things. Um, body acceptance, body confidence, body celebration, like is such a massive goal for all women and such a challenge, you know, such a challenge after all. We've I love it. It's so much fun to have. And she's hilarious too. I mean, it's, it's fun to joke about boobs. It's such a, like we said, it's a part of our everyday life and they change as we grow and they're right there for everybody to see, including, you know, not just us, the whole world and everybody's looking everybody, every male, that's for sure. They're all looking. Yeah. So, um, I love that she, you know, kind of gave, seems like she, the book gives breasts their own life, lifespan of their own, you know, outside of us as, as individuals, which is cool. I love yeah, it. Let's yeah. connect those dots. Right. <laughs> Totally. And I think it, it just kind of begs to be to be looked at in terms of what do we feel about ourselves and our breasts outside of our patriarchal or, or um, societal inheritance, you know, like how mm. and what is it that we have and, and just celebrating and reclaiming and remembering the, the joy of that, you know, the differences. That's beautiful. I mean, the joy of being a woman. Don't you wish, I mean, I guess it's a question that people could see us as a whole, as a whole woman, not as body parts, yeah, yeah. not as a yeah, beautiful and, face, and, full lips, beautiful breasts, nice ass, like a whole totally. feminine being and just accept every part. And then if we yeah, could find yeah. that same acceptance of ourselves, like we would, we would exude a different feeling of beauty and, and safety and confidence inside, you know, yeah, yeah. I think. And I think it's, it really starts with integrating for ourselves, you know, integrating all of these parts of ourselves um, into our own system because like I know for myself like my breasts have been something other especially after breastfeeding and I, you might relate to this as well that you know that my breasts were for something else for someone else and to grow mm -hmm. babies and so this like past year for me has really been like since I stopped breastfeeding after six consecutive years like that you know these are mine and they're for my pleasure and they, they don't have to be for anyone else so just like reclaiming and that is like yeah powerful. It's really special that we were able to have um, Leslie on this month too. To and kick Kim. Off, um, 
Yeah, and Kimberly, she's still sitting right here next to us, next to me, who shared uh, her story and her journey with breast cancer and how she's um, evolved and moving through that that new process um, with um, having experienced cancer and reconstruction. And it's I, I think it's really special that we had Kimberly and Leslie to kick off Breast Cancer Awareness Month, October, and um, you know to bring our attention back to our breasts and why do they do what they do for us and really just think a little bit deeper about it. I love it. I love it too. Thank you so much for joining us, Kimberly, too. You're a warrior and everybody needs to go out and get educated and take care of yourselves, not just this month, but all year long, right? We have awesome opportunities to learn. We have medical opportunities to learn and understand our bodies Mm -hmm. and take better care of ourselves. So do it, ladies, do it. If you're interested in like learning more about breast care and breast massage, I'm providing some resources on my, um, Mm. on my website this month. So. Oh, I'm going to check it out. Thanks, Leela. No worries. Well, thanks, ladies. Till we meet again. Bye, guys. Love you, ladies. Subscribe to Intimate Knowledge on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.